0: Do you take God's precious Word and turn to the book of Proverbs, please, chapter 3, Proverbs, chapter 3, beginning a brand new chapter tonight in our study. And although it's a new chapter, as we go through the book of Proverbs, you're going to notice some repetitive content. Y'all ever notice that when you go through Proverbs? Yeah. You're like, oh, I read that two chapters ago or four chapters ago or whatever and when you when you you'll see maybe some of that in the psalms as well and when you come upon repetitive content meaning you you're reading something that you've read in a previous chapter we're not going to skip over the words we're going to read them and mention them just like they're there we do verse by verse but we may not cover them in as great of detail the second time around since we expounded them thoroughly the first time When it comes to repetitive content, it may help you to think, because you may think, well, why would God put this in here again? You know, isn't that, you know, superlative, or not superlative, isn't that, uh, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Superfluous. Isn't that superfluous? And, um, uh, but I, I think it may help you when you come upon a repeated. Uh, sentence or something like in the book of Proverbs, if you think of it like a song, a song that repeats the chorus, right? You you sing the verse, the stanza, you go back and you say the same chorus you just got through saying. Why? Because it's re-emphasizing the core thoughts of that piece of music. And so when you're uh, reading through the Proverbs, think of it like that, that it's re-emphasizing, it's It's uh, bringing back certain truths and re-emphasizing them in our minds. And the first verse of chapter 3 is a theme that you're going to find repeated as we go through the book of Proverbs. Solomon says, My son, forget not my law. That's one of the things you're going to see again later in our study if God allows us to continue going through Proverbs. So in His tenderness... He's saying, my son, tenderness. I like that. You know, God never scolds us in the Bible. Never scolds us. He, uh, he's a God to be feared. But He's not like some loud mouthed father. That's just yelling and scolding with a red face. God loves us. He's a tender God. He's strong father. He's a father you don't want to you don't want to make angry, and he'll he'll sure correct you. But he's a loving, tender God, and he loves his people and he wants to talk to us in such a way that he pulls us to his side and puts his arm around us and tells us what we need to know. And so here in his tenderness through Solomon's words, God's calling us near to him as a father would a child so he could admonish us to do what to forget not his law now some of y'all are going to be worse than others about this but have you ever uh, put something somewhere that it didn't belong and you had something and you're busy and you lay something down somewhere where it doesn't belong maybe a a tool or a set of keys or maybe your cell phone or something. And then you you get through doing whatever it was you were doing and then later you try to go back and you try to find that particular item but now you can't remember where you put it. I figured y'all did some of that. Maybe one day I'll be able to experience that and know what it feels like. (laughs) But that's what the Hebrew root word here means. It literally means, when he says forget not, it literally means to misplace something. To misplace, to put something somewhere it doesn't belong. So when you take something and you put it somewhere it doesn't belong, you're careless with that. You're not being careful to go put it back where it's supposed to be. And so in your carelessness, you put it somewhere it doesn't belong and on account of you putting it where it doesn't belong, now you forget where you put it due to carelessness. That's the idea here in the book of uh, uh, Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 3, where he says, forget not. He's meaning, don't misplace my law through carelessness and forget where you put it. In chapters 1 and 2 of Proverbs, Solomon told us why we needed to get wisdom. And now here in chapter 3, he's warning us that now that you've got wisdom, or once you get wisdom, be careful. Because if you're not, you're going to be careless with the wisdom that you receive. And you may lay it down somewhere in your mind and forget what you did with it. And not have it at the forefront of your minds when you need it. And the fact that God would tell us here in His Word to forget not His law reminds us of the fact that we in our fallen flesh have a tendency to forget His law. We do. We hear God's Word at church. We're coming here tonight. We're listening to God's Word at church. We're going verse by verse. We don't skip any word. We listen attentively to it. We we read it in our daily Bible study. Hopefully everyone's doing that. And we receive that Word because we believe it. And we're blessed by that Word when we hear it. But as time passes, we become distracted by earthly things. And we're prone to misplacing the wisdom that we had once received. So Solomon says, my son, forget not my law. Now the word law here, the Hebrew word for law here, may be familiar to you. It's the word Torah. How about that? That's what the Jews call the Pentateuch, uh, the law in the Bible. They call it the Torah. And so that's what it is here. And since this is the word Torah here, it has the idea of the actual statutes of God's law. The letter of the law would probably be a good way to put it. So a law enforcement officer, as uh, me and Brother Shepherd have had experience of doing that, or, 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 or an attorney, they have to pay very close attention to the statutes, to the letter of the law. They have to study it and understand it. I'm sure Brother Shepherd. I know I sure have, I'm sure Brother Shepherd many, many times has sat back at his desk Maybe propped his feet up, opened that law book out, and said, "Okay, let's see." And, All right, Brother Shepherd, let's see what it says here. I got to know so I make sure and apply this right, and I don't apply it wrong. There could be stiff consequences if I misapply the law here, or or, or I know there's a crime that took place here, but I've got to find it in the law book. That even happens sometimes. Which crime is it? Which statute do I use? But we have to study it. So we can understand the, the fine details of the law. The actual words and how the legal lease is constructed. So we can know how to apply it. When I was in full time law enforcement. I was constantly applying and thinking about many different laws. Reading them carefully so I would understand them and use them to my advantage. And never misapply the law. In every situation I found myself in working for the state, I would have to ask myself, what does the code of criminal procedure say about this? What are the elements of this particular offense and have these elements been met in this situation? What are the search and seizure laws regarding the present circumstances that I'm in? How do I apply them? Or will the evidence that I'm about to collect, by the way I'm about to collect it, Will it be admissible in court? We run that through our mind every single day as we're on the job. And everything I did, so I had to call the law to my mind, the forefront of my mind. And then I had to apply it to what I was doing at the time. So by telling us to not forget the letter of God's law... To not misplace it and put it somewhere where it doesn't belong, somewhere out of sight, out of mind for the moment. God's Word is telling us to not let the fine details of His statutes slip away from us. He's telling us to do with His law what I did with the state's law to call God's law to mind in everything we do, His statutes. And ask ourselves, how does this Bible verse apply to what I'm doing right now? What does the Bible have to say about the situation I am in? A lot of people say, it was real popular, I don't know, back some 20 years ago, they would say, ask what would Jesus do? That was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. What would Jesus do? Because everyone has a different idea of what Jesus would do. And most of the people that think they know what Jesus would do have no clue what Jesus would do. The question to ask is, what did Jesus say about this? What did the apostles and the prophets, what does God's Word have to say about this situation right now? That is not forgetting His law, not forgetting the statutes. Solomon is telling us to be constantly applying and thinking about the many different verses in the Bible that are applicable to us today. Reading them carefully so we can understand them, use them to our advantage, and never misapply the Word of God. The Lord is telling us, don't forget my law, look back in your text, but let thine heart keep my commandments. The word commandments here is a different Hebrew word than the Hebrew word translated law here. It's not Torah. The word law speaks about the statutes themselves. What does the scripture actually say? How is it worded? The word commandments here is different. It's speaking about the obligation that we have to obey those statutes. That makes sense? You have the law, and then you have the obligation to the law. And so, if, for example, and you know what, one thing we need to pray for that I forgot to mention tonight. We need to pray that the Supreme Court will not cave to all this nonsensical pressure these godless people are trying to put on them to not overturn Roe v. Wade. We've been praying they would overturn it. We need to continue to pray they'll overturn it. It appears they're about to overturn it. But I know they're uh, uh, doing protests at federal courthouses right now trying to put pressure on those judges. And those judges are just human. Like everybody else, everybody wants to be liked. They don't want anyone to be mad at them. So uh, we need to pray for that. But let's say that they overturn Roe v. Wade. And in doing so, they leave it back up to the states. Now, you all know, thank God, due to Greg Abbott and Dan Patrick, our lieutenant governor, and some of our fine conservative legislators... Here in this state, this past legislative session, Texas passed a law that said if the Supreme Court ever overturns Roe v. Wade, it'll be automatically illegal in Texas. Abortion will be, don't even have to vote on it, don't have to pass a law, it's already law. As soon as they overturn it, abortion in every form is illegal in Texas. It's a beautiful thing. But California, it probably won't be. New York City, New York, it probably won't be. New York State, Illinois, probably won't be illegal. So, if they say that uh, you can be arrested for impeding a woman's right, whatever a woman is, a birthing person's right to have an abortion, as they would call it, you could be arrested for impeding their right. They have that in California. That's a statute. You cannot impede a birthing person's right to kill their unborn child. That's the statute. But as far as I'm concerned here in the God-blessed state of Texas, that's not a command to me. You see the difference? Because the statute, I am not obligated to obey because I'm not under their their, uh, authority. I'm not in their state. That makes sense? So God is saying here, and Solomon is saying here, don't forget God's statutes. Don't forget the laws. And he says, let your heart keep my commandments. Let them obey the obligations that the statutes have placed on them. And being children of God, being God's creatures, being in God's domain, the earth, and created by Him, we're all obligated to obey His word. Whether we believe it or not, we're obligated to obey Him. So, the word commandment here has the obligation of enjoining or obligating us to obey the Word of God. And Solomon says, look here now, does he say, My son, forget not my law, and let thine feet keep my commandments. Is that what it says, Abigail? Forget not my law, and let thine hands keep my commandments. Let thine ears keep my commandments. Let thy heart keep my commandments. It's very fascinating, isn't it? Through Solomon's words, God is telling us tonight, Christian, let your heart keep my commandments that I've given you. In other words, don't simply obey God outwardly where people can see. But obey God inwardly, where only God can see, and where people cannot see. Solomon is implying here, obey God with your heart. Caring about His statutes, cherishing His laws within you. When it comes to our obedience to God's Word, attitude is everything. It is, it's everything. True obedience to God's Word is done one way, from the inside out. That's the only way you can truly obey God's statutes is to do it from the inside out. If you're taking notes in Psalm chapter 40, Psalm chapter 40 verse 8, the Lord Jesus prophetically said, quote, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Listen to Jesus' attitude. This was a prophecy of Jesus to come in the Psalms. And Jesus said, I delight to do thy will. It was the delight of Jesus Christ to do the will of the Father. His law was within his heart. And as I was studying this, when, so- when Solomon said... Uh, uh, Let your heart keep my commandments. I thought, oh God, may may, may God help us to have that kind of attitude toward doing the will of God. I want to delight to do the will of God. If you obey God's word outwardly, yet you despise God's word inwardly, even though you, you do what he says, then you have not obeyed him. You hear that? If you do outwardly what God says, but inwardly you're resenting it, you have not obeyed God. You've obeyed Him outwardly, but you have disobeyed Him inwardly. Your law, I'm sorry, your heart has not kept God's commandments. Make sense? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6 tells us that we are to serve the Lord, quote, Not with eye service as men pleasers but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And you may say, no, Brother Richard, because this can really trouble people. Sometimes people read things like this and they think, but when I hear the word of God, when I hear a commandment, sometimes I have a tendency to resist it inside. Y'all ever feel that way? You want to resist that commandment, or you think, "Oh, we shouldn't have to do that." And and so it bothers people because they think, "Well, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not a Christian, or something like that." And we have to understand our flesh will never, ever delight to do God's will. That's why Paul said, "Well, the inward man I delight to do His will; the outward man will, it's still stomping and kicking a fit, you know, pitching a fit." So your flesh will never do it. But your inward attitude toward God, even though you feel resistance to the commandment, your inward attitude should be, I want to obey God. I want to please God. Even though I don't feel like pleasing Him at this time. Even though my flesh is resisting it deep down inside. I want to please God. I want to do His will. But even then, we think, oh, if I could just feel the delight to do His will. It would help if I could just feel that I delighted. That I said, oh, it would be my joy to do God's will. A lot of people want that feeling of delight. And they struggle to get it. And it bothers them. And sometimes it makes them feel condemned. I say, Brother Richard, how can I have that same kind of attitude towards God's commandments that Jesus had? How do I get that? How How, how can I have... The right heart toward the will of God. The only way to have the right heart toward the will of God is to have the right understanding of the law of God. I will say that again. The only way to have the right heart toward the will of God is to have the right understanding toward the law of God. Now, God doesn't come out and tell us, my son... Obey me because I am God and I said so. That's not what he said. That's not how he talks to us. Sometimes parents do that. If a child says, Why? Well, I said so. That's really not a good answer. It's really not. God does not do us that way. He doesn't. God doesn't simply say, Obey me because I said so. No, although we should obey God because he says so. Even if we don't understand it. We always obey God because He said so. God understands the commandments themselves. Listen carefully. The commandments themselves are not sufficient to produce true obedience in the heart of the child of God. Did you know that? The commandments themselves. The law of God itself. It's not sufficient to produce true obedience in the heart of the child of God. That's why the Apostle Paul said the law was weak. It couldn't help us obey. Oh, it could put the burden on our back and we could struggle to try to keep it. But the law could not produce the delight. Hey, on Mount Sinai when God says... I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not do this, and thou shalt not do the other, and thou shalt do this. And (laughs) (laughs) all the fire and the mountains and the earthquake and everything. And those Jews down there, did they go, Oh, praise the Lord, we delight in this, oh God. They didn't do that, did they? What did the law do to them? They took off from it. Moses you go talk to him we can the law, the commandments themselves, they have no power to produce the joy and the delight to serve God from the heart from the inside out. They can't do it. They can't do it. If God took a bull whip out, if he dangled hell over our head and said, I'll send you to hell if you don't do this and we did it for that reason, that's not obedience. You didn't do it from the heart. You did it out of nothing but sheer fear. You did it to save your hide, not to please your creator. See the difference? There's only one thing that can produce true obedience to God's law in the human heart. Only one thing, and that's love. Love. Remember, all the law, every bit of the law can be summed up in one simple commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Apart from that love for God, there can be no sincere obedience to God. None. Love is what made Jesus delight to do the Father's will. He loved His Father. Now remember what I said earlier. The commandments cannot produce that love. They can produce fear. They can produce a a feeling of a weighty burden on our shoulder. They can produce the, the feeling of condemnation and dread. But they cannot produce the love which then causes the delight for the law. They are fulfilled by love. But they are not capable of producing love. Do you get that? Commandments are fulfilled by love. But they're not capable of producing love. Only one thing can fulfill the commandments. Our love for God. And only one thing can produce that love in our hearts. And that's God's love for us. That's it. Only one thing can 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 fulfill the commandments of God from the heart. And that's our love for God. But there's only one thing that can produce our love for God in our heart. And that's God's love for us. So after Solomon tells us about the commandments of God. He tells us about the love of God that gave us those commandments. Solomon says obey God's commandments from your heart. Verse 1. And then in verse 2 he says for In other words, here's the reason why God gave you these commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. You see what we're learning here about the law, about God's commandments? Solomon is letting us know the secret to be able to fulfill these commandments from the heart. And that is God didn't give His commandments to us to burden us. He gave them to us. To bless us. The right motive for obeying God's commandments. Is our love for him. But the motive for God giving us those commandments. Was his love for us. Don't let this slip by you. The right motive. For us. Obeying God's commandments. Is our love for God. But the motive that God had when He gave us those commandments was His love for us. He gave the commandments that He might give us length of days. Long life. In peace. That's love, you see. And when we understand that God's commandments are His love for us... That understanding will then produce in us a right return of our love for Him. God gave His commandments to us, look, for a length of days. For a length of days. Have you ever had a lot to do? And you're sitting out to do it, and before you know it, the whole day is over with. It seems like you got absolutely nothing done that day. You say, man, the day is just so short. It seems like it's so short. But on another day. Now, I love these days. It seems like the the day just drags on and on, and and it passes by slowly, kind of like uh, when uh, when when the uh, when when they said uh, I forgot who they were battling, but uh, Lord, uh, uh, son, stand still and and don't move. And so the sun stood still, and and so the day dragged on, and they were able to finish the battle. I forget names. But sometimes we have days like that and the day just passes by so slowly and we're able to accomplish so much at the end of that day. We look back and we say, man, i got a lot of boxes checked off my to-do list today. That's the idea of length of days. Not a lot of days, but length of days. The commandments will give you length of days in the sense that they will make your days more prosperous, more fulfilling More rewarding. You know what disobedience gives us? Disobedience gives us wasted days. There's a lot of people living outside the will of God. They don't know God as as their Lord and their Savior. They reject Him as their Creator. In doing so, it doesn't matter what they do in that day. They wasted the whole day because they didn't live it for God. It's a wasted day. Disobedience gives us wasted days. But obedience to God's commands from the inside out. Will give us wonderful days. Days that that fulfill earthly needs. And lay up heavenly treasures. God's commandments give us length of days. And what else did Solomon say? And long life. And long life. And we've learned before in our study of Proverbs. That disobedience can shorten our lives. Obedience has great reward and disobedience has great consequences. And when we live in obedience to God's Word, we're not going to shorten our lifespan by our foolish behavior. I'm sorry, you get out and you drink and drive and you act crazy. Your chances of dying and early death are going to increase. What we do has consequences. has consequences. And when you put these two thoughts together, length of days and long life. Then we understand that God gave us his commandments to enjoy a long and prosperous life here on earth. That's basically what Solomon's saying. The commandments will give you a long and prosperous life here on earth. And I want you to remember as we're here. I want you to remember that this is a general principle The Proverbs are general principles by and large. In being a general principle, it doesn't always apply. Okay? Just because someone dies at a young age doesn't mean they died early because they were living in disobedience to God. Some people die in the womb. I've got a grandchild that died in the womb, that's in heaven. That little boy did nothing wrong. Nothing he was conscious of. He didn't die because he was living in disobedience to God. Some people uh, actually die young on account of their obedience to God. Such as those who die for preaching the gospel. So that wasn't. They didn't die young because they were being disobedient. Some foolish people live longer than wise people. Even Solomon spoke about that in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. So, when you think of having long days, think of having prosperous days. When you think of having a long life, think of living a full life. And there's a difference. A full life. The full life that God meant for you to live. Suppose that your automobile manufacturer gave you a proverb. Did you know they do? Proverbs are given by automobile manufacturers. I read one the other day. Basically it said. Thou shalt change the oil in your automobile. On my vehicle every 8,000 miles. I don't think Brother Billy likes that command. He's more like a Pharisee. And say oh no no maybe 4,500 miles. But that's what the manufacturer said. 8,000 miles. See, that's a little short proverb. And, and, and by doing that, you know, what the, you know what the manufacturer is saying? If you will obey this, it will extend the life of your car. Now, is that true? Or is that, Brother Billy, is that true? It's, okay, it's true. Right there. There's a the mechanic. Jess, would you back that up? Alright. There you go. You've heard it. But, even though that proverb is true... If you change the oil regularly in your car, it will extend the life of your car. Versus if you don't change it, it will shorten the life of your car. However, if I change my oil regularly, if I change it every 2,000 miles, and it's still clear every time I change it, just because I follow that proverb from the manufacturer, doesn't mean I may be pulling out of the dairy queen and looking down at my blizzard and get hit by a bus. Now my car's gone. You see? So the proverbs are general principles that you apply to your life. But it doesn't mean that they're they're hard set fast rules that God may not have some other plan involved, you see? That something else might not happen. And you have to understand the Proverbs that way. If you don't understand them that way, here's what's going to happen. Could you imagine me changing the oil in my car, pulling out of the Deer Queen one day, and getting blindsided by a bus that I didn't see. And then my wife saying, I am going to sue that automobile manufacturer. Because my husband changed the oil just like they said and it did not extend the life of that car. That car didn't have but 1,000 miles on it. Could you imagine? That would be foolish, wouldn't it? It's the same way when you read a proverb in the Bible and it says, length of days and long life will will God's law add unto thee? And you say, yeah, but my husband passed away in his 30s. God didn't keep His promise to me. You see, it's the same foolishness. They're proverbs. They're not promises that you apply hard and fast. We live in a fallen world. And things happen. And the will of God is very intricate for our life. But here's one thing I can promise you in every situation. If you'll follow God's commands and you'll live in the center of God's will for your life, If you die at 15 years of age, you die at 25 years of age, you die at 40 years of age, and your kids haven't even grown from the house yet, but you lived your life following the will of God, then you lived a full and prosperous life that God wanted you to live. I would rather live one day obeying God's will than live one million years disobeying it. I mean that with all my heart. Because you've never lived until you've lived for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've had all the thrills, I see these people on Facebook, they love having their glass of wine out there at the table. They love it, being in a fancy restaurant, looking elegant. of the people that went to high school, them thinking, oh, they're so successful. I look at all that and I think, man, that does not impress me a bit. But when I see someone loving the Lord, and I see them celebrating what Jesus has done on the cross, putting scripture verses and posting things like that in, uh, on their wall. I think now that person's living. They know how to live. So don't read this and then misunderstand it and have the devil mess with your mind and, and try to blame God. He says, uh, length, he says, uh, length of days and, and, and long life and what else? And peace. Because what good is life without peace? I tell you, it's far better to die in peace than live in torment. Would you all agree with that? Man, far better to die in peace than live in torment. I remember going to see my uncle before he passed away. And he was in such misery. His wife passed away. She was in the nursing home. Same time he was. They had her across the hall from him. He was here. She dies across the hall from him. Due to COVID, they wouldn't let him go to his wife's funeral. He has to stay in the nursing home. Can't go see his wife off. Then he's dying himself. I went to go see him. He said he just wants to go home. He just wanted to die and go to heaven. Anything I do for you, Uncle Arliss asked him. He said, no, Richard. Just keep serving your church and serving the Lord. That's all you can do for me. He just wanted to go home. So sweet. You know what? I'd much rather die in peace. He had peace because his faith was in Jesus. I'd much rather die in peace than live in torment. And God's commandments will give you peace. Whether you live one day or whether you live 1,000 years, God's commandments will give you peace. They will give you peace with God through Christ and His atonement on the cross. You know what else they'll give you? They'll give you peace in your heart. They'll still they'll that troubled heart. They'll protect you from all the unnecessary turmoil. That comes from foolish behavior. All these things Solomon said. Look back in your text. Shall they, that is the commandments, add to thee. Oh man. Underscore the word Add. Add. You see that powder sometimes? Just add water. Let's say you've got gravy mix. I tell you what now. My wife doesn't use powder. She doesn't use wok biscuits. That's okay if you do. There's no scripture against it. But everything my wife makes is from scratch. But if you have that powder... And you just add water to it to make gravy. If you don't put water in it, you don't have gravy. <laughs> if you've got everything in some kind of mix, but you don't, have, you don't add the milk and the butter and the sugar and whatever else is supposed to go in there. And the oil and you don't add it to it. You don't have a cake. It may say Duncan Hines. It may look like a chocolate cake out there on that box. But until you add those ingredients to it. You don't have a cake. Psalm says these commandments will add to you. Length of days. Long life. And peace. Then you'll really begin to live. Without the commandments of God's word. Your life may be busy. But it will be empty. It won't be a life. It won't be living at all. I want you to notice here that God's commandments add to your life. You know what the devil tries to tell us? The devil wants to make us think that the commandments subtract from our life. He wants to make us think that God's word takes away from our life. That that if you follow God's command, you're not going to have any fun anymore. Take that away. Not going to have any excitement anymore. Can't go partying with the guys. Take that away. Not going to have any any, uh, pleasure anymore. Take that away. I tell you what. I never begun to live. I never knew what true joy was. True fulfillment was. True pleasure was. True love was. Until I knew Jesus Christ. The commandments added to my life. They didn't take away. Now they took some things away, Brother Doug. They took the stuff away that's no good for me. We were praying for Brother Neil's sister. She needs a tumor taken away. So, they may add to you some things, but they'll add to you the good things you need. They'll take away the bad things you don't need. God's commandments add to our lives the love, the peace, the contentment, the joy, the fulfillment, the satisfaction that every human heart craves deep down inside. And a wise heart will not forget these commandments. They're not going to carelessly put them someplace out of their mind and then forget about them. But a wise heart is going to joyfully keep them I close with a little snippet I kind of reduced this down not to not to a poem but to a quip so I'll close with a little quip I wrote God's law is God's love for us put on paper our obedience is our love for God put into action God's law is God's love for us put on paper in the Scriptures. Our obedience to that law is our love for God put into action. When I understand the reason God gave this, this law to me, these commandments to me, when I understand that he, he took the prophets and the apostles and the, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ by the evangelists, and he took his love and penned it down on paper. because he loves me so much that he wants to give me length of days, a prosperous life. A long life, a non-shortened life due to sin. And because He loves me enough, He wants to give me peace. That's why He gave me His statutes. And having that understanding, I can then look at the statutes and not dread to obey them. Not think it's going to take away the fun and the joy from my life. I can now look at the statutes and think, Oh God, thank You for loving me enough to give me Your Word. So you can add to me these things that my heart so desperately craves. The devil tries to give you, make you think you're going to have a long, prosperous and peaceful life. By doing what God doesn't say. The scriptures tell you what really will give you whatever human heart desires. Knowing that when I'm reading God's word, that's God's love for me. My faith believing that. Will then produce my love for God. Which will cause me to say like Jesus. Lord I delight. To do thy will. O God. With that we'll go ahead and stop tonight. We'll close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father Lord. We thank you so much for your precious word. I thank you Father that. We can open your Bible. We can read the letters. We can run our hands over the the text as we read. And know, Father, that we are face to face with the love of God. Your word is your love written down for us on paper. And Father, I pray that we'll have that faith that we'll read with that understanding, Father. And that we'll fall in love with your word. And delight to do your will. Let us see Lord. Let us read it and understand. And see how your commandments. Give us the length of days. And the long life. And the peace. That you want us to have. And joyfully obey it from the heart. Help us to not be distracted. By the things of this world. And not carelessly lay it aside. And forget your law. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Be with those who came tonight and give us all the safe trip back home. Be with uh, uh, Bob Short, Addie's si- uh, brother, and and uh, and the family father as they grieve the loss of their loved one. And I thank you for giving much grace to Addie and let her pass peacefully into in her, her home place with you. In Jesus' precious name we pray.